What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Adult Rec League Podcast. I'm your co-host, D. Jones. And I'm Rick Sutton. What's going on, guys? How are we doing? Well, Rick, we just came off of UFC 254, and uh, I guess we're going to talk about UFC 255 coming up this week. The main event, Davison Figueredo, the newly crowned UFC flyweight champion yep. in his first title defense, takes on Alex Perez. Unfortunately, it was supposed to be Cody No Love Garbrandt coming yeah. coming down a weight class from bantamweight to take on Davidson for the flyweight championship to try to become a two division champion, but because of an injury, unfortunate injury, Cody Garbrandt had to pull out of the fight. So now Alex this is the second Perez, time that he pulled out of the fight. Who was Garbrandt? Garbrandt was supposed to fight somebody he had to pull out due to COVID, wasn't he? Who was that? I'm honestly not sure because the last fight that Cody Garbrandt had, he had that awesome knockout of Rafael Asuncao just as the round, just as the second round was ending. Yeah, they had booked a fight for Garbrandt, and then I think he had to pull out for due to COVID. And then, yeah, I, I can't, I can't quite remember, but uh, man, this this weekend, two title fights, the flyweight division is. Uh, being featured this week, this weekend, because the women's yeah. the women's flyweight division that's the other title fight. The, in my opinion, the most dominant fighter, women's fighter right now, Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, yeah, man. the The, the level of technique and skill that she shows in her fights is is unbelievable. I mean, you know, the 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 women that she's fighting. They're not even on the same level as she, as she is. I think she's like a minus seventeen hundred favorite this Saturday. Really? Yeah. Wow. Somebody was like, "How did they even? How did they even sanction this fight?" <laughs> because she's such a favorite. I'm like, "Well, she's got to fight somebody." It's, yeah, exactly. And that's got to fight somebody. And that's what it is. It, that, and you know, if you think about it, I mean, we're gonna get through this entire card, and we'll talk about the early prelims and the prelims, and we'll get to the main card. But what I what I wanted to talk about real quick was just the flyweight division in general. Since its inception, really, there really hasn't been that much competition in the flyweight division. On I mean, either side. On either side. I mean, the first champion in the flyweight division was Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. And he held that title for, what was that, six, seven years? Yeah, something like that. It was what he... It was like what twelve or thirteen fights in a row he had won. Yeah, he. I think he had like thirteen straight title defenses. And I mean, you got to think he fought some guys twice. He had to in that span because there's <laughs> he just had to. there's just never been a whole lot of competition in the flyweight division, like you said, on both sides. And now, if it, you know, I know you've said it, you don't you don't see anybody beating uh, Davidson Figueredo, right? That's what you said before? I've said that I think he might be on a Mighty Mouse-type title reign. Which is going to be, you know, then you think about, say, you know, say even if he defends the belt eight times in a row. You know, I mean, you're looking at the span of the flyweight division and only having a few champions. Yeah, I mean, so far we've had three champions three in the flyweight division. Mighty Mouse, Cejudo, and when and to Cejudo be fair, had the champion before... Figueredo, you know, obviously Henry Cejudo, he was dominant. He just left. He just left the division. Left, you know, left the UFC, so. He left the division. There was no competition for him either. He moved up to Bantamweight, won the Bantamweight title, became a two-division champion, and decided to retire early. So, Davidson Figueredo defeated Joseph Benavidez twice. The first time he defeated him, he missed weight. And yeah. that's the only problem I see with Davidson Figueredo in the flyweight division is the guy is so big. He's missed weight before. Yeah. So hopefully that's not an issue moving forward because, I mean, this guy's the champ. But sure, but, you know, we've – all right, so we've seen – you know, we've seen – we've had a flyweight champion that used to fight at Bantamweight. Then we had a flyweight champion win the title then go up to Bantamweight and win that title. Could we be seeing the same thing if he could string together a few title defenses here in the flyweight division? I mean – you know, Absolutely that's possible. the thing about the flyweight division. It's seemingly always three fights away from being cleaned out. So, you know, I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade. So Figueredo is going to fight Perez this weekend. You know, say Garbrandt bounces back from his injury. He decides to go down and get the crack again. 
he goes down and fights him, you know, say Figueredo were to win. You know, we got Gar- we got uh, TJ Dillashaw coming back. I don't know if that's something T- Dillashaw is going to try to get into. I think he was he'd probably be I would f- assume he'd be more interested in getting his bantamweight championship back before he tried to go down to flyweight because that's what he was trying to do before. So I mean, maybe we could see a situation where Figueredo defends the flyweight belt a little bit and then goes up tries to compete if he were to win the bantamweight belt maybe ditch the flyweight division so i mean same thing with the women's flyweight division she used to fight at bantamweight she's fought for the bantamweight championship uh, yeah. a, a couple times so i mean like we said the flyweight division for both sides male and female has just always been really i i'm just gonna say it non-competitive it's not deep it's not deep with people that you think could win the belt that's the problem you yeah, know I mean, some of these divisions, obviously, you've seen, like, John Jones is probably one of the most dominant fighters we've ever seen. You know, even the lightweight, light heavyweight division started catching up to him, and he had some very close fights, you know, before he is now moving into the heavyweight division. I mean, we've still seen some, we've seen somebody win a lot, but still competitive fights, you know, to a point. You know, that's not what we're seeing, especially not in the women's flyweight. We are definitely not seeing that. Figueredo, probably a little, probably a little too early to tell. I mean, we'll find out, but yeah, there's definitely not your deepest divisions in the UFC. Yeah, absolutely not. You know, honestly though, before we get started with the card, I guess we should go ahead and talk about the big news real quick. It was just announced today that Conor McGregor has indeed signed the bout agreement for January twenty third of twenty twenty one. He will fight Dustin Poirier for the second time. Of course, Conor McGregor knocked Dustin Poirier out the first time they fought. I believe it was back at UFC 178. Yeah, I think that's right. So, Conor, I, McGre- yeah, Conor fe- McGregor yeah, stepping ba- Conor McGregor stepping back into the cage again. It's actually been that will actually be a, a year because I believe he fought Donald Cerrone back in January of this year, 2020. Yep. So, Conor McGregor stepping back into the cage full year. Full year. Do you um, do you think that they'll try to have fans there? Ah, uh, that's so tough to tell. I mean, January. Honestly, it's there's probably not going to be any fans there. I think Dana White said that until they can hold a full crowd, they're not going to do it. Um, I know they're talking about. Actually, I think the plan is to do that on Flight Island. So you know, there's, I don't, there's not even any seats in that. Yeah, the the venue that they're holding those fights at in Fight Island, so it's going to be interesting. Definitely going to be interesting to watch Connor fight with no fans. You yeah, know, I mean, it's the be biggest draw weird. in the history of the sport. Biggest draw in the history of the sport, and he's going to be fighting with no gate, you know, no fans, just corner men. And if there's any shit talking, which it does seem that this is going to be a very different, yeah, you know, last tune time. than the last time that they fought. I think both of these guys have a more of a mutual respect for each other. Um, so, you know, maybe not as much on the trash talk, but still going to be still going to be weird to see. Well, but yeah. also going to be good to see, you know, Connor back in the octagon, obviously, and then how much these fighters have changed. Obviously, they're fighting at a new weight class, and this is going to either be, you know, Dana said it's not going to be for the belt because Khabib's going to fight again, maybe, but this is probably going to be your number one contender's fight still. Well, I guess we can talk about uh, – that's a good segue to the main event of UFC 254, the last pay-per-view. Khabib Nurmagomedov submitting Justin Gaethje in the second round. Probably the best transition to a triangle choke that I've seen on the ground. Yeah. He, I mean, took his back. Yeah. Went immediately, got, got uh, sat, sat down, got the triangle choke from top mount. Yep. And – was able to submit Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje actually tapped a few times, but the for but some the ref, reason the ref didn't see him tap. The ref apparently had his eyes fucking blindfolded because yeah, he, he was literally tapping Khabib on the top of his head. Yeah, every UFC fan in the world saw that tap out, including people that were in the in the arena. Yeah, uh, Cormier called it out. Oh, he's tapping. You know, no, no, no break up, and then Gaethje went to sleep. Man, just constant pressure from Khabib. I mean, Gaethje was. As far as his game plan, he was implementing it pretty well. He had stuffed the takedown and was kicking that leg. So what Gaethje wanted was, you know, was happening for him. 
What I think that Gaethje maybe didn't account for was the fact of how fucking tough Khabib Nurmagomedov is. He is. He took some clean shots from never, Justin Gaethje. Never grimaced. He got his leg kicked, a, you know, 12 times or whatever it was. Never grimaced. And yeah, like you just said, the shots that Gaethje rocked Tony Ferguson with, I mean, he hit Khabib with a clean one-two during that fight, and Khabib put his hands back up and started pushing forward and charging him again. Yeah. You know, when you have that kind of pressure against somebody that that's, that's that tough, and you can land that crack, and they don't back up at all, that's tough to deal with. And obviously, that was, the, that was really the downfall, you know, of that fight for Justin Gaethje. I mean, when he went back to his corner, he was tired. Oh, absolutely. After the first round, I mean... Me and you were watching it, and I, I I looked at you and I said, Justin Gaethje is tired already. Yeah. And this this was midway through the first round. Yeah. And, and, it, was t- and it was just because of the constant backing up and constant pressure that Khabib Nurmagomedov was giving him. And, and Gaethje was spending a lot more energy trying to stay away from that cage like he had outlined leading up to the fight. He said, I have to keep my back off of the cage. Yeah. So he was spending some extra energy quicker footwork to try to circle out of those spots where he'd be on the cage and you know using that excess energy plus the pressure from Khabib Nurmagomedov you know drain that energy right out of right out of Justin Gaethje but you know and after we after the fight ended me and you just looked at each other and we were like dude there's no way anybody's beating Khabib Nurmagomedov there's no way I don't way. see it man the and- only person that I would maybe give a shot to beat Khabib at this point is George St. Pierre and, and I don't I, even know if he could beat him. I hope that that is the fight that they put together. I honestly don't know why Khabib would come back for any other shin, you know, any other fight. There's no. The only other fight that he would come back for is Connor's is the Connor rematch, and that's just because of all the money that he would make. Yeah, but at I mean, the same, t- but, at, but at the same time, he made what fifteen million just to show. Yeah, I mean, Khabib's one of the highest paid fighters in the UFC. He's probably number two behind Conor. Probably. I mean, so he really don't need the money. If you he look really at popularity, don't. global popularity, Khabib's number two and behind he doesn't, Conor. And he doesn't care about the money or else he would have already had that Conor fight. Yeah, that Conor fight would have happened. That rematch would have happened immediately. Just oh, like absolutely. it did with Nate Diaz. Yeah. Because Nate wanted that money. You know, but Khabib's already said that he doesn't think that Conor deserves to have that platform. And... That he's not going to give him the platform, you know. I I would I honestly would be surprised if Khabib came back for a for a Conor rematch for anything just, other than a George St Pierre fight. Anything other than a St Pierre fight for the one hundred and fifty five pound belt. Because Khabib has said that he's he has said that I would he said he has said that he would fight George St Pierre and that St Pierre has also said that he would only come back to fight Khabib for that belt. And if you think about it, I mean. Think about what's all on the line. What the, what the kind of story that could be? Khabib going for thirty and zero, and that would probably be his last fight. Yeah, it would definitely thirty be. and zero. That was his father's dream. Thirty and zero, undefeated. Probably, probably the greatest, maybe the greatest fighter that we've ever seen. Definitely, probably the most dominant. Yeah. And George St. Pierre looking to become the only man to ever win three, to ever win a UFC belt in three different divisions. Three, yeah. and I mean, and also somebody, somebody we're talking about in this generation of possibly being the goat, versus somebody we are talking about being the goat at one point in his career as well. Yeah, you know, it's man, that would be an absolute dream match, and that's really. I would rather see that fight than the Connor fight. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I would agree. Honestly, there's. It just doesn't make sense for either one of them to not have that fight or no fight. Yeah. I mean, I get it, the 30 and 0, but let's be honest, 29 and 0 is just as impressive as 30 and 0. Oh, it, so it is. So if you're coming back for that one fight, you know, it doesn't really make sense. And after watching the way that Khabib has beaten the world's best at, in one of the wor- deepest, if not the deepest, weight class, you know, it, this, it's. I just don't see any other fights from any of the other members of the active roster that could entice Khabib into coming back out of retirement, um, ex- except for St. Pierre. That's it. I agree. Um, I, th- I I think that would I think George St. Like like you said, George St. Pierre. That's the only fight that he would come back for to try to become a three division champion, the only one in the history of the UFC, and twenty nine and zero is impressive. Thirty and zero would be even more impressive with. A, a win over George St. Pierre. Yeah. I mean, so, we'll see, so as Dana White always says, we'll see what happens. Yeah. 
But I guess <laughs> I guess we'll go on to UFC 255 this weekend. Like we said, the main event, Davidson Figueredo taking on Alex Perez in his first title defense of his newly won UFC flyweight championship. But we'll get started with the early prelims. We'll just run through them real quick. Early prelims start at 6.30 on ESPN2 from the UFC Apex. So they're back in Las Vegas after a few months a few, yeah, a few, like a few, what, a few fight cards, and what they do four or five fight cards, yeah, for the Fight Island. I believe the last one was what the Uriah Hall Anderson Silva was that the last one at the uh, at Fight Island was that the last one? I fuck man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. These fights with no fans, they're all blending together. The venue looks the exact same, just about. You know what I mean? You're you're just in a fucking empty arena watching fights. It all the shit all blends together at this point. And I guess before we we get to the card, we can talk about one more thing. Anderson Silva, I mean, you know, losing to Uriah Hall fourth round TKO. He looked pretty good in the first couple rounds, but then just started getting real real lax with his technique and yeah, he put more emphasis on creating pressure for Uriah Hall than keeping technique. And that, you know, against a guy who has the technique that Uriah Hall has, uh, you know, that, that spelled doom for Anderson Silva. And Uriah Hall has actually signed a fight already. He's getting he's ready. He's fighting Chris Weidman, he's right? He's getting ready to fight Chris Weidman, a rematch from, I believe, Chris Weidman beat him back in 2010. Yeah, so, in a different organization. Yeah, Uriah for, Hall. For their middleweight championship. Yeah, Uriah Hall getting ready to fight Chris Weidman again. But, um... Let me ask you this before we get on to this UFC 255. What do you think Anderson Silva's legacy is in, in mixed martial arts? I mean, you know, when this, he, this is a guy that won the middleweight championship. I'm sorry. Yeah, the middleweight championship. Only second and literally fight in his UFC. second fight in UFC defeated one of the best champions in the sport, Rich Franklin. Dominated, completely dominated him. Won 16 straight fights before finally losing to Chris Weidman, which, I mean, you know, he really obviously didn't take that fight very seriously. Because Chris Weidman, you know, he was just toying with Chris Weidman and Weidman caught him on the chin. Came back, broke his leg, has really never been the same since. But for from, 2000, from 2004, 2005, all the way to about 2011, yeah. I mean, this guy was the most dominant champion in the, in the history of the sport. I mean, no, you know, like you just said, one of the, the most dominant champion in the history of the sport, but... Really, just fuck. Really, just you know, playing with his opponents. Oh, I mean, yeah. you talked about the second fight. Second fight in the UFC, he beats one of the faces of the UFC at the time, Rich Franklin. I mean, we're talking about Rich Franklin, the guy that they had a season of the Ultimate Fighter to try to find him a contender with old fighters. That's how cleaned out the division was with Rich Franklin. Yeah, I mean, he was putting people away left and right, and 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 fought some tough fighters. You know, the sport's always evolving, and you can see that now, right? You know, so you, you, you miss that. Um, you know, there is there is that piece there. Maybe there, the, the sport hadn't fully developed yet. But Rich Franklin had cleaned the division out. I mean, they got a season of the Ultimate Fighter to find his contender. And then he beats him, and then Anderson Silva comes in in only his second UFC fight, you know, and, and beats Rich Franklin and beats him easily easily you know then he beats him again i mean that that run there i don't know that you'll ever see a, a level of dominance that you saw from a champion i don't know if you'll ever see that again that you saw in that that span of time when anderson silva was champion that title run you know and even you know as far as legacy goes yeah you talked about the the chris weidman fight you know him getting knocked out then him breaking his leg and he kind of wasn't the same yeah it wasn't the same but wasn't the same also w- took him three rounds against Daniel Cormier on a, on a whim, on no notice. Uh, went all three rounds with the current middleweight champion, Israel Adesanya. You know, so, I mean, obviously we, his last fight, it's tough to see him go out like that. You know, we saw him get hurt against Jared Kenanier. But the... I believe, yeah. and I believe he beat Michael Bisping when he fought Michael Bisping, and I, then Michael Bisping was the light was was the middleweight champion 
Shortly after. Shortly after that fight. After that fight. I mean, I think I think his I think actually I think Michael Bisping's next fight after the Anderson Silva fight was when Stepping he stepped in, in to take take on Luke Rockhold and he ended up knocking Luke Rockhold out. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, he's never been the same since he lost that belt, but he's never you I this I I I think that was the first time that I looked at Anderson Silva and thought, man, he really doesn't need to be in the cage anymore. Yeah, I mean, you know, he just doesn't have the speed to pull off some of the tactics that he usually uses in his fights. I think that was the first, like, a, the Uriah Hall fight was the first time that I looked at Anderson Silva. And we didn't even, we didn't even talk about the fact that Anderson Silva, you know, domin- I mean, convincingly beat Nick Diaz. Yeah, yeah, know? beat Nick Diaz. That was Nick Diaz's last fight. But, like I said, I, this is the first, his last fight against Uriah Hall was the first time that I looked at Anderson Silva and said, you know what, he does not need to be in the cage anymore. And yeah. that that's saying something. I mean, he lost that title, what, six, seven years ago? Yeah, it's been a while. So in seven years, this is the first time that I've seen that I've that that people have said, you know, and, and even Dana. Dana said he is no longer fighting for the UFC, which actually came out today. He got let he's, go. A, he's a free agent now, which yeah, hopefully I hopefully he doesn't go anywhere. Because I just his legacy is set. He's one of the all-time greatest fighters of all time. He's one of the greatest fighters of all time. Maybe yeah. the most, maybe one of the most dominant we've ever seen, no question. But I just don't want him to see him get hurt because you see all these guys that need to retire but don't. Yeah, and, you don't want to see him go fight. And I hate to say it, but it's a lot of the Brazilians. A lot of the Brazilians just do not know yeah, when to give it they've up. They've been fighting their whole life, you know, and they don't they don't know what to do after it, you know. So that's I hope that's not what we see. You know, I, I could easily see Bellator trying to sign Anderson Silva uh, for some fights in their, you know, in their organization. I hope that Anderson doesn't. I got a I feeling that, that's probably where he's going to go. I think that he's got a lot to still give to the sport as a teacher. So that's, that, that should be, I think that could be his path. But, you know, I'm not the person that has to look in the mirror every day and, and, and answer the question, you know, is it worth it? You know, am I happy with what I'm doing? So... I, I agree. You know, I can only just say what I think, but you know, legacy. I think the legacy, one of the most dominant champions ever. You said he was never the same after the Weidman fight. Yeah, you could kind of see that, but not the not the same. But still last good. Year, last year with Cormier, last year with Adesanya, you beat Nick Diaz. But you know, s- still damn good. Still hanging in there and competing and beating some of the best fighters that the that the sport has seen. And I mean, so. just look at some of the guys that he beat during his title reign: Rich Franklin again, Stephen Bonner. I mean, in multiple weight classes. Forrest Griffin, Dan Henderson, in multiple. Vitor Belfort. Yeah, I mean. Damian Maya. I mean, he beat some of the best guys that we've ever seen in the in the sport. I, I mean, mean, you know, completely if that toying been, with them. That would, if that would have been a, as big of a thing as it is now, I, you know, I don't have a doubt that at one point Anderson Silva would have been a two weight world champion. Oh, without a doubt. You know, could have easily been a two weight world champion. You know, because his he was just that good. Yeah, absolutely. But all of that said, let's get to what we were really originally supposed to talk about today. UFC two fifty five goes down this Saturday at from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. We'll start with the early prelims. They start at 6.30 Eastern on ESPN2. The first one is Louis Koski taking on Sasha Paletnikov in a welterweight battle. Louis Koski is undefeated. He is 7-0 so far. I believe this is his UFC debut. So looking to become 8-0 in his first UFC fight. This... I wish I could say something about this Sasha Polotnikov, but there's literally nothing on this guy other than his height and weight. They don't even have a reach for him. So, <laughs> so there's really not much I can say about this, but, uh, but that, that's, the, that's what starts the early prelims. Next, we have a middleweight bout. Kyle Dawkins taking on Dustin Stolzfus. Okay. Some of these crazy names. 9-1 taking on 13-1. Kyle Dawkins, I believe he actually just fought a couple weeks ago, he lost to Brandon Allen. Um, but, you know, looking to get back into the win column, Kyle Doskis. And he's taking on Dustin Stolzfus. 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 <laughs> who's actually making his UFC debut. And then we actually have Alan Jubon 
taking on Jared Gooden. Alan Jobin, I've actually seen him fight. I mean, he's been in the UFC for a long time. He's been in the UFC since 2014. Yeah. I mean, to be on the early prelims, it's kind of a, I guess, kind of a demotion. I mean, he's take he's fought Gunnar Nelson, Nico Price, Mike Perry. He's fought Bilal Muhammad. So, I mean, this guy's fought a lot of good guys. But um, How many of those were wins? Uh, not a lot. <laughs> he's 16-7 and seven in his career. Jared Gooden is actually making his UFC debut at 17-4, and four, so... Pretty tough test for Jared Gooden coming in and taking on Alan Jobin, who, who but who is 38. Jared Gooden's only 26. So, but other than that, we'll move on to the prelims. Our first prelim fight is a welterweight matchup between Daniel Rodriguez and Nicholas Dalby. Daniel Rodriguez is 13 and one so far in his professional career. He this is actually his fourth UFC fight, and he is looking to make it four and zero. In the UFC, his last fight came against Dwight Grant, where he knocked him out in the first round in two minutes and twenty-four seconds. And he out, and he also in his very first fight submitted Tim Means, longtime UFC vet, in round two. So looking to make it four and zero against Nicholas Dalby, who has been in the UFC since twenty fifteen. And Nicholas Dalby is actually looking for his first win in twenty twenty. He actually had a draw against Jesse Ronson. In 2020, so we will see what happens in that first fight. Daniel Rodriguez takes on Nicholas Dalby in the welterweight division. You know what's crazy, Rick? This next fight in the women's in the women's flyweight division, it's Valentina Shevchenko's sister, Antonina Shevchenko. She's taking on Ariane Lipsky. Uh, this is this is like the third time that the Shevchenko sisters have fought on the same card. Yeah, it must be a part of their contract. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. it might be. It might be part of the contract. I don't fight unless my sister fights. It's so weird, though, because Antonina is actually in her own sister's weight class. Yeah. So it's kind of weird to see. I mean, this is Antonina's fourth fight in the UFC, and she's one and two. So she's looking to get in the win column. She's fought some good She's fought some good talent. She fought Roxanne Modafferi, and she's fought Caitlin Chukagian, who just got her ass kicked by her, her sister. So, <laughs> you know, she's looking look, – I mean – Looking to make it two and two in the UFC. Looking to try to climb into the, uh, try to climb into somewhere in the top, top five there. Yeah, I mean that Aryan Lipsky. She's so far she's two and two in the UFC. Seems like such a weird thing though. Like if you know, if she became number two, then what? You yeah, know what I mean? know, right. Like the, the, I don't know if that would happen. There's no title fight. No way. On the horizon for you, unless your sister leaves the division. So yeah, no way. I just don't see that one happening. But um. Yeah, Ariane Lipsky, 2-2 two and two in the UFC, trying to make it 3-2. and two. Anton, Antonina Shevchenko trying to get to 2-2 two and two in the UFC. Um, dude, let's talk about this guy right here. In the middleweight division, Jordan Wright takes on Joaquin Buckley. As we all know, Joaquin Buckley made a huge name for himself a couple weeks ago with that spinning, spinning heel kick knockout. To the face. Right to the face. I mean that was. I mean it was against one of the sickest knockouts you'll ever see. Absolutely, it was against it was uh, Impa Kasangane. Yeah, <laughs> a weird, a, another one of these crazy names. It was uh, back in October, but man, he made a name for himself with that spinning kick. He's eleven and three in his career. He's he's only he's that was only his second UFC fight. He's one and one. His first fight was against Kevin Holland, who's. Man, he's making a name for himself too. I believe Kevin Holland is actually getting ready to fight Jack Hermanson. He is. And this will be Kevin Holland's fifth fight in 2020, and he's trying to go five and zero in a in a year. And that I, I believe only like four other people have done that in the entire history of the UFC in a calendar year. In a calendar year. Wow. Five and zero. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah I, he's been active. I mean, I feel like I've, I've what we've seen him fight three times. Four times since Fight Island. Kevin versus. Holland has fought. He fought on May 16th, mm-hmm. August the 8th, September 19th, October 31st, and he's getting ready to fight on December the 5th. So we're not even talking about 5-0 and in a calendar year. We're almost talking about 5-0 and in a half a year. And yeah, in half a year. Six months. In six months. 5-0. I mean, and he's, he's winning by – he's won three out, three out of his four fights. He's won via finish. Either knockout or he's won two by knockout or TKO, and he's won one by submission. 
And he's getting ready to fight Jack Hermanson, who's a really a really big contender in the UFC middleweight division. So yeah, he's had a lot of high profile fights. So and Kevin Holland is actually getting he's been he's been chirping at Israel Adesanya. Yeah, he was as after of his last fight because Izzy was sitting outside of the cage. Yeah, so I mean but Joaquin Buckley trying to make it twelve and three. He's like I said, he's one and one in the UFC. Jordan Wright is actually making his second appearance in the UFC. He's one and zero so far. He obviously he knocked out Ike Villanueva in his first fight in a, in, a, in about a minute and a half. His nickname is the Beverly Hills Ninja. Hell yeah! So uh, I look for good things from Jordan Wright. He's actually he is actually a light heavyweight. He usually weighs in at 205, but I guess he's dropping down to middleweight to see how good he is there. Uh, he's got a huge height advantage on Joaquin Buckley, six inches. Joaquin Buckley's five foot eight. Jordan Wright is six foot two. Okay. So a big fight for Joaquin Buckley, like I said. Try to capitalize off that viral KO from last from last time out and build on some of that. I mean, you know he's gonna have just off of that, he's gonna have some extra viewers. Oh, absolutely. Some extra eyes on his fight, so. That's it's time to capitalize. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, he can um, keep it going. But in the prelim main event, we have another flyweight bout: Brandon Moreno taking on Brandon Royval. Remember, we talked about Brandon Royval a few months ago, uh, a couple months ago. Actually, we we both predicted him to beat. Uh, I believe he was he fought Kai Kara France. Yep, Kai Kara France. Because that was a crazy fight. Yeah, remember they were both they both knocked each other down. That was a great fight. Great fight. It was back at UFC two fifty three. I remember that fight because yeah, that was Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa and all that. But yeah, the Brandon Royval trying to make it thirteen and four. He's so far he's two and zero in the UFC and he's beaten Tim Elliott and Kai Kara France both by submission. So trying to make it three and zero in the UFC against Brandon Moreno who has. Had some pretty high-profile fights in his five-year UFC career. He's, he just beat Juicier Formega. He's beaten Kai Kara France. Yeah. So, yeah, this fight should be a very good fight. Yeah, really good flyweight fight. He, he, he's fought Sergio Pettis, who's a really big name. I know he's in Bellator now, but still. But this this could be – I mean, this could be a number one contender's fight, honestly. I mean, at that – yeah. Absolutely. Because like we like we talked about at the start of the show, there's really not a whole lot of competition in the flyweight divisions, both men and women. No, it's not a lot of depth there, so like you said, you you're a couple good fights good fights against some top contenders away from being in the title picture in either one of those weight classes. I mean Ricky, I'm actually on the rankings right now. Brandon Moreno is actually the number one ranked flyweight in the in the world right now behind the champion. Yeah, so this is the number one contender. So right now, Brandon Moreno is the number one contender. Brandon Roy Val is sixth. So yeah. if Brandon Roy Val beats Brandon Moreno, he's probably the number one contender. Yeah, I mean, at that point, he's going to jump the line and he's going to fight. Yeah, because Alex Perez, the guy that's fighting Figueredo, is fourth. Yeah, so he's going to fight the winner of that fight if the, if he wins. And then obviously Moreno, being that I'm more contender already, Moreno, if he wins, he's going to get that shot for sure. So. Absolutely, yeah. He is the number one contender right now at the UFC flyweight division. But that's it for the prelims. Brandon Moreno and Brandon Royval, a huge flyweight fight to end the prelims. Probably, like we said, a number one contender fight. I, I, it's probably, I mean, it's obviously a must win for Brandon Moreno. I mean, you're the number one contender yeah, looking to get a title shot, so you have to beat Brandon Roy Val, and we'll see. Brandon Roy Val's done really good so far. Submitted Tim Elliott and Kai Kara France in his two UFC fights. Yeah, super exciting fighter. Yep. But uh, all right, on to the main card. Ten o'clock UFC Apex only on pay per view. The first fight, like we talked about, man. Some guys that just don't know when to call it quits. Mauricio Shogun Hua. Taking on Paul Craig in the first fight at light heavyweight. Mauricio Shogun Hua. This will be his 40th professional fight. Former light heavyweight champion taking on Paul Craig, who's a, a really a really big guy. 
really strong guy. I mean, they're they're both like Mike Goldberg used to say, everything is virtually identical. Virtually identical. They both have a seventy six inch reach. Paul Craig's an inch taller. I, I don't I don't know, Rick. I don't know. I I think I'm gonna have to go with Paul Craig on this one. I I think Shogun is. I think it's time. I, I I've said Shogun should have been retired a while ago. Yeah, should have been a while ago. I thought honestly, I for a second I thought him and Little Nog were gonna retire at the same time uh, after their last fight, but you know Shogun said he wanted to continue fighting, and you know that's you know hit another another situation his choice. But um, here we are, Shogun fighting again for the professional fight. I think that Craig, yeah, I would, if I had to put money on it, I think Craig's probably going to take the W. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't know, man. It's just like we've said, like we talked about with Anderson Silva. It's just there's so many guys in the UFC and actually all around mixed martial arts that you could say, you know what, this guy needs to stop. This guy needs to stop. This guy needs to stop. But it's like you said. We're not the guys that are looking in the mirror and saying, oh, I need to provide for my family or I need to, you know, I, I don't want to stop because I just love this. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like BJ Penn back. You know, BJ Penn should have been retired several years ago. After Forever that ago. Nick Diaz fight, he should have retired. Yeah. But I don't know. Mauricio Shogun, who a former light heavyweight champion, taking on Paul Craig in the opening bout this Saturday night in the light heavyweight division. But, um, this this one is very intriguing, man. Women's flyweight Cynthia Calvillo, up and coming women's flyweight contender, looking to take on Caitlin Chukagian, who literally just fought about a month ago. She lost to Jessica Andrade. Yep. Jessica Andrade came up to flyweight. Yeah, man. We I mean we we talked about this. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with the medical suspensions because they're apparently not existent. They, they they do not exist. Not anymore. Caitlin Chukagian got. Uh, TKO'd by Jessica Andrade less than a month ago. And I guess there's just no medical suspensions no on medical Fight suspensions Island. anymore. Before this thing, before this thing, we were looking at, you got TKO'd, you're looking at a three to four month suspension, maybe six months. Now, not so much. You're back in within 30 days. Well, yeah, a little questionable there, but either way, we're not the, we're not the bookers. You know, we're not the promoters, so... I mean, even when get back in here. I mean, sometimes even when guys win, they still get suspended. Yeah, I mean, if you've taken enough damage in your fight. I mean, look at Kevin Holland. I mean, this like we said, this guy's getting ready to fight for the fifth time in six months. Yeah, would that have been able to happen before before the you know COVID and how the world kind of just I don't know kind of turned into kind of turned into anarchy? It's been it's been crazy, and obviously, yeah, I don't think that. You know, even though even though Holland's looking to go five and zero, oh, I don't know that he would have been able to pull off five fights in six months under the you know medical suspension. I highly doubt that it. that we were seeing before, so I don't know. Yeah, but Caitlin Chukagian literally fought last Octo- this past October in the co-main event when Brian Ortega fought Korean Zombie, lost to Jessica Andrade, beat Antonina Shevchenko. Of course, lost to Valentina Shevchenko. But uh, I know Caitlin Chukagian has actually contemplated retirement. Yeah. So I don't, she's I, talked about it. I so. feel like if Cynthia Calvillo, who's 9-1 and one in the UFC, who's on a roll, yep. looking to become a, a serious – I mean, she just beat Jessica I, who just fought for the title, and beat her convincingly in a decision win back in June. Yeah. So if Cynthia Calvillo – can beat Caitlin Chukagian. She might be next in line. I mean, because like we've like we've said so many times on this episode, there's not a lot of competition in these flyweight divisions. No. And she, and I know Cynthia Calvillo actually had an interview and she said she's willing to step in and fight Shevchenko if Jennifer Maya missed weight. Oh wow. Yeah, but I don't know. Well, it's this the, you you this could be a potential number one contender fight. For Cynthia Calvillo, I doubt probably for Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Caitlin Chukagian. I highly doubt it for her. But this is a this is a big fight for Cynthia Calvillo. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And um, yeah, like you said, man, flyweight, flyweight, 
couple fights away from the champion. You're always a couple nice wins away from being in contention for the championship. Absolutely. So. Okay, so this is a crazy fight right here. Welterweight. It was supposed to be Robbie Lawler. But, of course, unfortunately, he's, he had to pull out due to injury. Mike Perry taking on Tim Means. Longtime UFC vet. Uh, is there anybody more... I guess I don't know if I want to say controversial, but controversial. Is there anybody more controversial or polarizing right now than Mike Perry? As far as stuff outside of the cage, I don't think so. I mean, we got this guy. You know, he's doing all, he's doing everything to, to try to be in the headlines. He's fighting with no corner men. You know, he he, he has a, a split with his ex, and then his ex is accusing him of all kinds of stuff. You know, all kinds of abuse. And then, you know, he's got his new girlfriend and she's the only one there for him. She's in the corner. Then there's a video of him yelling at her and punching an old man and, you know, saying the N-word repeatedly. And, you know, just it's then he needs, you know, UFC says they're not booking him until he goes to get help. And then here we are where he's booked. So it's, you know, it's been crazy. It's been a wild 365 days for Mike Perry. Um, You know, he's got talent. You know, it's. He's got to he's got to try to get some kind of balance outside of the cage, and you know we'll see if he fought well with no corner the last time. Yeah, he beat Mickey Gall. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and, and I'm you know, assuming he's going in with just the just the girlfriend in the corner, right? I guess he turned down Darren Till's offer of five grand to corner him. <laughs> it's so funny because Mike Perry actually said he said the highest bidder can corner me. In that fight, and Darren Till was the highest bidder, but apparently, as long as, yeah, as long as the t- the bidder was not named Darren Till, yeah, apparently Darren Till told Ariel Hawani because Ariel Hawani asked him, he was like, "Are you were you serious about cornering cornering him?" And yeah. he was like, "I was dead serious." Was He's, he said, genuine. "But he said the reason why is because number one, he hates me, and number two, he hates me." <laughs> Yeah, Till said he wanted to fight him in the back. <laughs> I love Darren Till. He's funny, I man. I can't, you know, and unfortunately, that December 5th um, card with Kevin Holland and Jack Hermanson, that was actually supposed to be Darren Till taking on Jeff Neal, who's a really good fighter, too. Yeah. But apparently, Darren Till, he just said he wasn't 100%. His knee was still bothering him. He didn't give his knee enough time to heal. So he had to pull out. So hopefully we'll see Darren Till back soon. But, yeah, that's so funny that Darren Till was going to corner Mike Perry because apparently Mike Perry can't stand him. But yeah, that would have been hilarious. That went way back. I mean, there was – I can't remember who Till fought. Till won and Perry was outside of the cage doing like – you know, doing – making faces and screaming shit at him. You know, and then there's there's a video online of Till and Perry running into each other outside of an arena during a fight week, and um, you know, Perry asking him if he wanted to spar, and then Till thought he said spa, like go go to a spa, and then when he clarified, he goes, oh spa, I thought you were talking about going to get a, like a massage. Yeah, we can have a little go. And then they were just going back and forth. They were standing there. There was nobody in between them. <laughs> so it was like, oh, all right, maybe these guys are good. And then they're not good. And then it's just, yeah, it's just been, it's been a long time, a long time coming. Eventually, you know, maybe Perry can get some wins together. And those two could fight at some point. That would be, you know, hilarious. That'd I think Till, hilarious. I think Till would be on the winning end of that. But, you know, that maybe one day down the road these guys will eventually get to fight. That would be hysterical. Or at least have a six sparring session in the gym or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm going to pick Mike Perry to win this fight. Yeah. Even with only one corner. But, you know, Mike Perry, he, he's actually said that he is, he's actually going to have more people in his corner. Oh, he did say that. He's actually going to have more people. All right, well, that's good. Than just his uh, girlfriend in the corner. Uh, he, he's actually going to have a friend in the corner, but all it is is just for moral support, not for knowledge or anything like that. <laughs> One of these guys, Perry's going to show up with a, fu- a full set of cheerleaders 
in the corner of one of these fights. Yeah. Two chicks, the girlfriend, and two other chicks, pom-poms, fucking whole get up. They're just going to be yelling, go team go on the outside of the cage, <laughs> the whole fucking fight. And it's funny because when he wins, like if he ever won a championship, that'd be like the new thing. Yeah. I mean, you got to get a license to be in somebody's corner, but apparently there's not really any, you know, there's no criteria to get a license because the girlfriend who has no fight experience was in the fucking corner the last time. She was literally just telling him, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. <laughs> you're doing great. Like she had no idea. You could have been getting the fucking shit kicked out of him. Yeah. You'd have yeah. no clue. Yeah. He could have been, he could have been in a darst, in a darst <laughs> choke and she had been like, you're doing, doing good, great, honey. You're doing great, baby. You're doing great. Not telling him how to get out of the hold. Not telling him shit. It's fucking hilarious. God. I, I mean, you know, Mike, like you said, Mike Perry's got some skills, but I mean, this, this guy's just, most of the time he's in the news for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So hopefully he can get his life turned around because he's actually a pretty decent fighter. Yeah. He's got some good, he's got a lot, he's got good skills, you know, and he's obviously he's, he's out there character wise. So. Yeah, you know, he's people are drawn to stuff like that, but man, yeah, he's got to he's got to button some of the shit up outside of the cage if he ever wants to make a run. Yeah, a serious run. Well, let's get to this co-main event, man. Maybe the most dominant women's fighter in the world right now, Valentina Shevchenko, defending her UFC Women's Flyweight Championship against Jennifer Maya. Valentina Shevchenko is going to have a two and a half inch reach advantage on her. She's going to have a, an inch height advantage. And according to Vegas, she's going to have a huge skills advantage because she is a minus 1600 favorite as of right now. And Jennifer Maya is a plus 900 underdog. That's crazy. I believe it. That might, I think that's like the third, it's like the second or third. Biggest underdog in a title fight. In, Those are like, like Rousey home numbers. I, I think Dillashaw was like a plus eleven hundred against Hannon Burrell. So that's crazy. I mean, shoot, I'm almost tempted to go put a hundred dollars on Jennifer Maya just just to see how it fucking pans out, huh? Exactly. What about? Uh, I'm sure BJ Penn and when he fought Frankie Edgar, that had to have been a probably sizable, probably sizable. But yeah, man, Val- Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, do you, do you see – is there any chance that Jennifer Maya – I don't see – I don't see it. Like I, we've, we've talked about it. There's been at least points – there's been at least points in um, Amanda Nunes' fights, some of her fights, where she wasn't just absolutely dominant. There were some spots there that it was like, okay, how, how is this going to go? I mean, Jermaine Durandamy was tagging her. Jermaine Durandamy was piecing her up. If she could have defended a takedown, she might have been able to win that fight. We're not seeing that in Valentina Shevchenko's fights. We're seeing absolute bell-to-bell, you can't fuck with Dominance. these skills. And it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy to see. She's in, my, she's, in my opinion, the most dominant female fighter that we've seen. And Jennifer Maya actually lost to Caitlin Chukagian. Who just got destroyed by Valentina Shevchenko? That's what I'm saying. I mean, at this point, we got we're we're gonna put in whoever with Shevchenko just because somebody's got to fight her for the fucking belt. I mean, I guess everybody has a has a chance. I mean, you got a puncher's chance, right? You know, maybe I don't know. Maybe Maya ducks her head and throws a looping hook and catches Shevchenko on the chin. I mean, that we've seen that. Since, you know, George St. Pierre and Matt Sarah come to mind. Yeah, but man. I don't know. It, I, I don't see it. I don't see it happening. I think you put your money on Valentina Shevchenko. You made a pretty dumb but safe bet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. What's the point of betting on somebody when they're a minus 1,600 favorite? Yeah, I mean, that literally means you have to bet $160 to win 10 bucks. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I guess maybe if you were sitting around and you're sitting on a pile of money and you want to go ahead and throw a million on you know, Shevchenko to, to, to pocket a hundred, you know, 160 K, uh, or, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. Or one, you'd have to put 1.6 mil on it to pocket a hundred K. I don't know. I, can you I imagine it? Can you imagine if you put a million on Jennifer Maya and she won? Yeah. Now you're talking, now you're talking what she, you said she was a plus what? 900. So yeah. So you bet a hundred bucks to win 900. Yeah. 
So now you're talking the whole other side of it. You put some fat money down on there, and you can. If you bet a hundred thousand, you win nine hundred thousand. You could he could put some money in your pocket, but man, I don't know. It's just she's so dominant. I, there's I just I don't think there's any way Maya can win. I think uh, I think we both got Valentina Shevchenko winning that fight pretty yeah. easily. I mean, like, and I've heard you say it so many times. Just her technique. It's sick, man. It is ridiculous. And everything. In everything. Not just striking. Chin, chin's always down. Hands always up. Footwork's nice. Techniques are tight. You know, she... In the clinch. She swings. Dis, disengages. She can she can wrestle. You know, she's in the clinch. She's got trips. She's such a complete fighter. Such a complete fighter. Absolutely. The only person, in my opinion, that could be probably beat Amanda Nunes. Yeah. Yeah, and definitely. I and I think like I said I think she has before. The they they fought twice. The last time they fought, I think Shevchenko won. So we'll see what happens. Maybe they do a trilogy there. But at some point, even though Nunez has said that she has no interest in it. Yeah, but it's it's because okay. I I think it's because she knows that Shevchenko can beat her. And that's I think that's honestly what that is. But well, it's main event time. Davison Figueredo defending his Your UFC. Boy. UFC flyweight championship against Alex Perez, the number four ranked flyweight in the world. Alex Perez has been fighting in the UFC since 2017. Uh, He's six and one in the UFC. His only loss is Joseph Benavidez. That's his only loss. That's his only loss in the UFC. Six and one in the UFC so far. Has has fought has actually fought twice in 2020 so far. He beat Jordan Espinosa by submission, and he beat Juicier Formega by knockout in the first round of both fights. So I mean, good fighter, but on a roll, on a roll. But in my opinion, not gonna matter. Yeah, that'd be so man. That'd be so interesting if Figueroa missed weight. Yeah, it is because oh, that's man. that's the only. Like I told you, you pull, that's would you pull one of those guys from the prelim main event? You probably pull Moreno to fight the number one contender. Fuck, that's crazy. Davidson Figueroa's only loss is to Juicier Formega by decision. So that's it. That's it. That's it. He's destroyed Joseph Benavidez both times that they fought, and like you said, my boy. But I've said this. Since he won the title, I watched him beat Joseph Benavidez handedly both times. I don't see this guy losing for a long time. So, obviously, my pick is Davidson Figueredo to win this fight. Yeah, I, th- I think Figueredo wins. Um, he's got, man, he's got a lot of power for a flyweight. Oh, yeah. That power also comes from the fact that he's huge and also one of his downfalls that he might miss weight. He's a big guy. Um, so, we'll see. Figueredo's got himself like a little gimmick going on. He's rocking up sunglasses everywhere, trying to look, you know, look real cocky. So we'll see, man. I, I think it'd be good for the flyweight division if Figueredo can get, get another win. You know, at the same time, it'd be nice to see some competition there. So hopefully it's a close fight. I, I do think that Figueredo wins. Yeah, me too. Uh, so I guess me and you got and still for both, and both still title for both. fights. Yeah, and still for both. I just don't see any other way that can go. No, especially that, especially again, Valentina Shevchenko. That I yeah. think that's probably the most safe bet of the entire card. Oh, for sure, without question, for sure. When you're a minus sixteen hundred favorite, I, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah. But you got anything else? Nope. All right, guys. As always, this is another episode of the Adult Rec League podcast. I'm your co-host Rick Sutton. I'm D Jones. Everybody have a great week. Enjoy the fights. Peace.